Classics Fulfilling failed franchises Reinvigorating reviled rehashes It's the follow-up showdown With Paul Getz, Travis McMaster Hello, Ken! And yes, I know that was a stretch. Shut up, everybody. And welcome to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your host, who is perfectly fine with being a zero, Paul Getz, and with me are my co-hosts, who are strong enough to be heroes, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. How are you guys? Well, it took me uh, a good five seconds to get your intro reference, so I don't know how much of a hero I am. <laughs> somebody somebody should stop you. Damn it, Travis. I had more coming up. Sorry. Right. Don't, don't throw well, to me. Yeah. I just I asked you to say hi. Anyway, uh, if this is the first time you're joining us, the way it works is we take a movie with either no sequel or a sequel that we wished somebody would have stopped and do our best... I know, these aren't great, I know, to um, pitch a better continuation. Our guest today is our resident expert on bad Jim Carrey sequels, Ethan Edinburgh. Welcome back to the show, Ethan. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here, and it was such an absolute joy watching Son of the Mask. Yes, and yes, and Kate, well, he's he's introed it, it. It's fine, it's fine. I'm just getting ruined all over the place today. Uh, I think it's case- even more popular than the first one, so people probably already knew that that's what we're talking about. Yeah, they, they probably don't know those references that are from the first one and not the second one, but right. we're also a stretch I will admit. Uh, Yes, today's subject is uh, the 2005 sequel to the 1994 uh, hit, Jim Carrey hit, The Mask, Son of the Mask. And thank you so much for being here, giving me a reason to finally see this movie. Yeah, delighted. Same. Yeah, I hadn't seen it before either. Mm, Somehow I'd stayed away. Mm -hmm. I think it's weird that all of us haven't seen it I mean, not that weird because it looked bad and it was 2005 and we were all adults, but just considering how much we all loved the first one, True. that they made a second one and we just went sight unseen. No, thank you. We all saw the trailer. <laughs> and the cast. I guess we haven't talked about our thoughts on the first one, but perhaps it can be assumed we all loved it. We're all Jim Carrey yeah. fans here. Classic. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think it was, I was trying to figure out because it's a close call. I think The Mask was my favorite. First Jim Carrey movie. Mm-hmm. Hard to say because um, what was it? What else was up there? It was Dumb and Dumber. Ace right? Ventura and was first, and in, in that same year, I remember very vividly. Well, I saw all of these in theaters as a kid that year. Um, Amazing. Yes, and I I remember seeing Ace Ventura on my birthday and had invited all my friends because I saw the trailer somewhere and was just like, I need to see that, Mom. That's my birthday plan. And she was, That's going to be largely my personality for the next decade. So I need everyone to show up. Well, and she was a little bit horrified by it. The Ace Ventura, the mask, a little less so. Is I would say the first, you know, most family friendly Jim Carrey. Yeah, that got put out there. Although it is, it's very violent. You know, very yeah. guns heavy, very yep. pro guns. Ultimately, guns solve a lot of problems. I mean, it was um, the nineties, man. 
It's like every movie had guns. Um, and smoking. Just a lot of casual smoking. Yeah. Which only looks weird now. And in, in 1994, it was like, yeah, of course, adults are smoking. But now it's it's practically pearl clutching. I guess that's... Smoking. 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 <laughs> the mask is smoking. Ah, fuck. I, I got... Uh, I ruined it. Yeah. One of those is keepable. <laughs> you edited it down to one the mask was the first movie i saw in theaters uh i think i saw it in theaters four times wow uh which is pretty remarkable considering considering the amount of power the average nine-year-old has in his family that's true i can't remember if i saw the theaters or not honestly um my memory is not great but i definitely remember watching it a bajillion times Sure. Yeah, you know, I was absolutely. watching it at my uh, grandparents' house. They had like the official VHS, and that was always a popular one with me and my sisters. Oh yeah, the mask stands with a seventy-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which I Ooh, too low. <laughs> um, I don't know if I I don't really agree or disagree with a Rotten Tomato score. That's nothing to me. Right, I judge all of for following and adhering to it mm-hmm. in any way. I mean, I could I could see watching this movie for the first time now and just being like, I don't. I'm not sure about this. Like, it definitely reads a little d- differently, you know. Like, um, Stanley's like, "Ooh, I'm the nice guy." Thing is a very common thread heard nowadays. That's like, you know, sort of like it's frowned upon and stuff. And there's a whole. I think the kids call it cringe. Yeah. Um, hmm. So I can I can see why I got that rating now, but I do think it's too harsh. I love every inch of it for it just being a perfect platform for Jim Carrey to do his thing. That is what it is above all else. Were it someone else, I don't know how I would feel about it. Because yeah. I think you do, Paul. Because we that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> we saw it with someone else. Well, let's hold on a second. Yeah. It's a completely different film yeah. in pretty much every way. But if <laughs> yeah. you I think what Paul's saying, which I agree with, is that if you cast someone else, even a really talented comedic actor in the mask in ninety four, was it? Yeah. Like mm. It's still not half the movie. No. The whole thing right. is just elevating Jim Carrey's already dynamic performance. Yeah. Um, and it's just superb. I mean, especially for a movie being so unique. You know, if you just, like, try to elevate or pitch that movie, you sound like a frigging maniac. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking? How is that a good movie? That makes no sense. You're out of your mind. But watching it, it works. Yeah. It's, and it works in great fashion. I don't know. I... Big fan over here. It's- <laughs> I feel like if someone gave me the elevator pitch to the mask before I saw it, I would continuously be saying like, oh, okay, I get it. And then they'd give me some new piece of information that I'd have to go, no, sorry, I thought I understood. I don't uh, yeah. say that. Right say over, right over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it reminds me, and I don't know if this kind of movie can exist anymore, or can be made anymore. Uh, it reminds me in a lot of ways of Beetlejuice in that, the central mm-hmm. character, it's arguable whether or not he's likable uh, because he's, well, he's chaotic and he's he's pretty violent, once again. Yeah, but uh, hold on a second. Yeah. You're not introduced to him as the mask. Right, right, I right. mean, you, you get to know him a little bit before, and he is a likable character. He's being, like, crapped mm-hmm. on at work, and he's, like, tr- he's kind of a, you know, shyish dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I liked him kind of off the bat, but I also have been a Jim Carrey fan since I was little. So just seeing him, it's like, oh, this guy's the best. Sure. And I think Jim Carrey makes Stanley work better than most could also, separately from the mask. Right. Also. Right. Stanley is uh, relatively one dimensional. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, and he's really sorry for himself about being 
the night he guy who finishes last. He wrote a he, he wrote a letter about it to the paper and you know all kinds of stuff. Kind of a bummer, but like his arc is like sort of being one dimensional and. It's, it's more like just tackling his demons, I guess. His but. journey seems to be arriving by the end of the movie at barely interesting. Going from Stanley Impkiss. 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 The owner of um, one single Tex Avery VHS tape. Two. Screwball Classics Volume 1 and 2 he has. Oh. Well, yeah. that devastates anything else I was going to say. <laughs> I'm just an outsider. I mean, he's clearly like a weirdo who doesn't have... You know, he doesn't have it going for him. He doesn't have game. He yeah. doesn't have mojo. He loves cartoons and his dog. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's not going to get promoted and he's not going to get a girl. And I don't know. It just feels like you want to naturally root for him. And then, of course, I do agree the when he becomes the mask, there are both likable and unlikable qualities to that character. Well, and uh, he's the one that version of Stanley is what I'm comparing to Beetlejuice in that. Well, Beetlejuice has a little bit more going for it, but in in both movies, you are waiting for that cartoon character to come in and do his thing, baby. You know, <laughs> and like how well it serves the plot or how likable he is, it sort of doesn't matter in comparison right. to how fun it is to watch him go off. Yeah, now which is really the magic of the mask. I mean, let's yeah. all be honest. When yeah. you boil it down, it's seeing the mask go to a hundred. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. For the first time watching it this past time. I always sort of thought as the mask and Stanley as kind of separate entities, mm-hmm. sort of like Stanley's not aware of the re- totally aware of the repercussions of what the mask does. Mm-hmm. But I, there was a line he said this time where he's like the mask. And he's like, this, this is incredible. And I, it's the first time I realized that Stanley is in control of the masks. Uh, Th- action. This is an interesting topic in terms of how much control Stanley has because while in the mask because Loki in theory as at least presented in the first one is in the mask he's been banished into the mask right so it's like a possession mm, type uh, uh, yeah but I think it is an important question to ask how much control Stanley has because when he's in the mask he's not appealing to Tina who he very much wants to appeal to, you know, Mm -hmm. he's sort of, I mean, he's appealing when he dances, but after that, he's kind of, he comes on too strong. He's disgusting in a way. He's Beetlejuice-esque. Also a a specific point I wanted to bring up was the people at the auto shop do rip him off, but he lets them. He shows up and they say, you need a new transmission and your brake drums are shot. And he says, I wonder was an oil change. And then he immediately goes to sign for it. So he yeah. lets them do that. Then, as the mask decides, they deserve to have car parts shoved into them. So that's yes. a pretty. It's hard to say if that's what Stanley wanted, or if that was sort of a base level desire, you know, wrapped up in the Loki of it all. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, like it, it's like the mask acts out uh, Stanley's like. Maybe not exactly his wants, but the outcome of them. Like, I don't think Stanley wants to rob a bank, but he probably wants more money. So the mask right. robs a bank and he has more money. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is his bank, which also causes him, you know, stress as well. It's the bank he right. works at. Um, yeah. Interesting choice. Yes. Um, we will get right back to this topic of conversation, but I realize we need to do two Travis McMaster minutes on these wow. movies. 
to Travis McMaster Minutes. Are you ready, Travis? Well, it's we still have to formally offer it to Ethan, the guest, if you'd That's like Travis. to do the minutes. We always offer it to the guest now mm-hmm. if you want to recap the plots of The Mask and Son of the Mask. I'll, I'll do the second one. How about that? Do the mask, oh, and I'll do right. one of the mask. Because nice. there's no way I can get it wrong. That's yeah. how messed up it is. <laughs> okay. I'm excited for this. Hey. Okay, we got to split oh minutes. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. And go. Stanley Ipkiss is a downtrodden, down-on-his-luck, self-described nice guy who works at a bank, unlucky in love, unlucky everywhere else. And he finds in the water a magical mask um, that when he puts it on, he transforms into a green-faced goon with magical properties uh, that are mostly funneled through like his Tex Avery cartoon Looney Tune filter. Uh, then he goes on a series of hijinks and tears, uh, terrorizing those who Stanley Ipkiss feels uh, are dumping on him, like his landlady. And... Um, some mechanics, as we just mentioned, he then goes out to this uh, the popular club of the night to dance and pick up women. Um, he steps on some toes of uh, some mobsters uh, and gets into trouble with the law as he robs his own bank. Um, is that really what this movie's about? It's really about nothing. And then the mobsters want right. to get him because That's your minute. Uh, ah! I, I was. I mean, I don't know how much more plot there is. He falls in love with the woman who works. Who is the performer at the club the most Flash beautiful flower in the coco bongo she's also the girlfriend of the head gangster and by the way that gangster is like a lieutenant trying to usurp his boss as his subplot and then his dog breaks him out of jail because he goes to jail for being the mask and uh then he gets the girl and they kill the uh bad guy who also at, at some point puts on the mask this is uh this is gonna be our first three-person minute. Oh, well, I always do your uh, cleanup. Um, well, yeah. is that what we're calling it? <laughs> As of now. Smoking. Uh, <laughs> Smoking. Um, all right, Ethan, are you ready for your minute? No, definitely not. Unprepared for this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my best for you guys. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Very excited. All right, and go. Okay, so we start off in this museum where Ben Stein is the tour, and he's showing that there's a mask here that looks exactly like the mask we all know and love. And Loki, he explains that it's Loki's mask. Loki comes down. He's like, give me the mask, but it's not that mask. It's a replica. So now part of the plot we're going to follow apparently is Loki trying to locate his mask. Uh, Then we meet Jamie Kennedy, who I think his name is Tim Avery. And Tim is basically a schmuck who has no likable qualities. He's a cartoonist. He is afraid of having a baby, and he soon finds out his wife is pregnant. He I, he finds the mask, but I can't even remember how. His dog brings it to him. Is that how it works? We'll go. Yeah. Okay, great. So his dog randomly brings in the mask. One of the many things that have no uh, bearing in reality. It doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to it. It just happens. Most of the movie is like a big cartoon without explanation. He put, All right. Oh, so that's that was, your movie. Yeah, that was it. Oh, that, was, that, was that was big. Great. They go by fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. As quickly as possible, what was left out is Tim is a cartoonist. <laughs> I said technically. that. Oh, yes, that's true. He's a drawer. 
I mean, I guess. Uh, oh, his yeah, he impregnates his wife while wearing the mask. Nice. So the baby right. is born of the mask, as they say, and is basically a cartoon baby. The middle of the movie is all about the dog trying to kill the baby in cartoonish ways because the dog is wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. And Loki um, going around trying to find who the parents of the baby are or who the baby is. Yes. Yeah. He's doing different like Lemony Snicket characters <laughs> or whatever. for no, like, As if anyone will recognize him. He could just be like, hi, I'm Alan Cumming. Yeah. Kind of like tie you up. I have magical powers. Let me look at your baby. Yeah. Jamie Kennedy doesn't like being a dad of the cartoon baby, but then does like it when the baby saves him from Loki. Then Loki kidnaps the baby to get his mask back, but then he bonds with the baby. So then the last thing is that Jamie Kennedy has to fight Loki for the baby. And then in the end, Loki makes up with his father and the baby and his parents are okay. And the mask goes with Loki. So the mask is gone. And if you haven't seen this movie, do not. Yeah. (laughs) Atrocious. I mean, I think there's still more to say about what, Stanley knows and doesn't know, blah, blah, blah. But there's so much to talk about. Perhaps we can leave that be and let the listeners decide for themselves. I just want to say two things. One, we see Stanley wake up, <clears throat> like nigh hung over. Uh-huh. Just like, you know, Doctor, like the Wolfman or, or the Hulk or whatever. He wakes up with vague memories, yeah. but seems to be surprised by a lot. But then Lauren's right in the, in the alley after he uses the, the balloon Tommy gun. He does seem to have a moment of lucidity where he describes mm-hmm. his powers that he has as though he is mm-hmm. he is in control. Yeah. Also, as a side note, if you think that any balloon-making person will make you a Tommy gun just because you're a nine-year-old and asking, they won't. <laughs> uh, okay, well, in, in terms of the waking up of it all, the first morning he wakes up, and sure, it's arguable that it was a dream. You know, that makes sense. But he's almost immediately confronted with the fact that it happened because this landlord shot at him and there's holes in the floor and all that. And then he immediately turns around and goes, oh my God, I'm late! And (laughs) forgets about all of it (laughs) and goes to work. So, I mean, there's a couple things like that in the movie that I didn't quite ever put together as a kid. Oh, huh, he's not really dealing with this. But, you know, as a kid, all you care about is him getting that mask back on. Because they do by the next morning. After he puts on the mask the second time, he's a little bit more dealing with the repercussions of what he's done. But after the first time, once it's immediately proven to him, he just kind of goes to work Mm -hmm. as if it's a normal day. Okay, so getting into notes on this movie, it was the most profitable comic book movie of all time until Joker last year. Wow, really? Yes, that's crazy. Um, Even with, like, Iron Man and all that crap? Yeah, just uh, considering its budget to what it made worldwide, it, it made the most money until Joker. Yeah. Isn't it wild that the first <laughs> movie was way cheaper than the second one, and yeah. it looked so much better? Yeah, that's true. Isn't yeah. that nuts? It was almost like they, I mean, they tried to up the ante in terms of their animation, but it looked worse for their, the them doing so. If you, the money no, in no. good hands, it goes a long way, man. Yeah, no, you're right. Really, really good. Even the totally CGI stuff of his eyes popping out and his tongue hitting the table looks. It still looks good. Yeah, it was really cool, and and somehow they found the perfect balance too because it wasn't too much. Obviously, this movie is the second one is riddled with crap CGI, but I feel like Mm -hmm. in the mass they could have gone overboard easily, and they did not. They had this really nice balance of like practical and and CGI stuff, I guess. 
Yeah. Well, probably more because it was uh, it was more time intensive, um, more expensive, and a little more difficult. So they had to think more. You know, like okay, what bits do we absolutely mm-hmm. want? There was no room for like fat. You know, they had to. A lot of angry production meetings where it's just like, if I told you once, I told you a hundred times, we're not cutting Cuban Pete. Don't bring it up again. That person is a genius, whoever said that. Brilliant. (laughs) The producers absolutely wanted to cut Cuban Pete because they thought it was too long and not funny. And I cannot emphasize how wrong that is. It is is still maybe my favorite sequence in the movie in terms of the joy it brings me. Oh, did, they w- did they want to cut it after they had seen it or like yes, in the storyboard? They wanted to cut it, but it did so well with test audiences, they had to leave it in. Yeah. Like every test audience was, was loved it. Yeah. Like the second that song started, I'm just like, well, great. That's going to be stuck in my head for the next week. Mm, yeah. Dude, <laughs> the song, first of all, the song is exceptional. Just if you yeah. just listen to the song, it's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Grade A songwriting, instrumentation, etc. But you can also watch that scene on mute and it's yeah. hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is, does Jim Carrey sing in that scene? Oh, he does. That... 100%. I thought yeah. so. No one super talks about it, yeah. but Jim Carrey's a really good singer. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. He's got like yeah. yeah. Also sang in The Cable Guy yeah. and uh, it's yeah. great. And The Grinch. Really good. I just forgot until just now I didn't remember you have that. That I have my The Mask CD soundtrack from 1999 awesome. or 1994 mm-hmm. that I only requested for Christmas. Wow! Because I wanted Cuban Pete. Yes, it is so a great good. soundtrack in general. Every song that hits, I, as I was watching through it, I remembered like, oh yeah, this song cooks too, dude. Same thing it, with Dumb and yeah. Dumber, by the way. The Dumb and yeah. Dumber soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, get real. So the director of this movie, Chuck Russell, is a horror movie director. By trade, or that is what he's known best for. Hmm. Specifically, the Blob remake and Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors. Surprise! Those are great movies. So, in 1989, when this uh, comic book started being discussed as wanting to put into a film adaptation, it was originally supposed to be a horror franchise. This is what they were going for, and that is why they went to Chuck Russell. However, Chuck Russell, upon looking at the materials, decided he wanted to make it more family-friendly and specifically decided he wanted to write it for Jim Carrey. So that guy made it what it was instead of the very violent comic book. Okay, so Mike Werb was the writer of the film, Uh, and he was tapped by Chuck Russell for his Curious George script, that he was just sort of floating out there in the scene, I guess, uh, and was eventually produced in 2006 in the Will Ferrell animated Curious George movie. So, And so that's where they got more of the family-friendly air to it, although it is pretty adult throughout, especially when compared to the second one. Is it PG-13? Yeah. PG. Wow. Okay. And what I would say is maybe the grossest joke in the movie, the condom joke, the full condom joke... (laughs) was improvised by Jim Carrey on set. He of course. had that in his- He brought that condom. I mean, he, when you look at his early stuff and his stand-up, I mean, he, he got pretty blue. He was yeah. pretty filthy. He's been yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's true. He just went, went all out. Now, he was paid 450000 for the mask because it came out before Ace Ventura was released. Whoa, did not know so that. it wasn't a huge hit yet. Compared to... By the time he was making Dumb and Dumber, $7 million. Mm-hmm. 
for Dumb and Dumber. Ooh, yeah, I knew he so, got paid wow. that for Dumb and Dumber, but I, I thought I just assumed he made a lot more on the mask. That's crazy. Especially for the amount of work he did on the mask. That's what I'm saying. Four hours a day in makeup and I mean just alone. Carried the movie. He's a, he's a champ, man. Like we we yeah. just watched the, the Grinch and every time I, I, I watch it I can't not think about what I assume is was the nightmare mm-hmm. for him filming that. Yeah. Yeah. And like no. He had to like Oof. train with a Navy SEAL, I think, for the Grinch. Yeah. yeah. To like to deal with basically, basically. feel like to be tortured. Right. Yeah. Tortured. Like, wow. Mind. Yeah. I know. Well, it's, uh, and in both it's cases, it, everybody talks about how he saved them money on VFX because of his ability to stretch his face and pushing himself to like talk with the big mask teeth and stuff and, you know, yeah, yeah. just going that extra I, mile. When you're watching him as Stanley Ipkiss, there's a few moments where I'm like, He's a little bigger than a regular person, mm-hmm. you know, especially in that era. Yeah, still funny. Yeah. Oh, it's, it still, works. He's still giving it to you. Yeah. In, in small ways. And just throw it a big mattress back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's able to pull off those lines with such expertise. It's, it's incredible. Oh, the way he sharpens that pan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Checking. Yeah. It yeah. sucks so good. Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of the visual effects, it was nominated for best visual effects and lost to Forrest Gump, which I guess that was for the, you know, footage that they put Forrest into. Come on. Which bro. is it was for a lot of things. It, yeah. there, there are a lot of things that are visual better. effects in Forrest Gump. It, it a well deserved Oscar. I suppose. But I definitely think that those It's all about the mask, dude. <laughs> We're talking visual effects. I mean, not to mention, I assume Forrest Gump won other Oscars. So you got to give one to the mask. Yeah. Giving an Oscar to the mask just because, like, well, what else is it going to Yeah, exactly, get? man. Yeah. 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 And it looked great, and it still looks great. It's 2020. It does look great. It does look great. And I would say it looks better than some of what was probably the most impressive stuff in Forrest Gump back then. Like the John Lennon clips, or where it's their mouths, and it looks yes. like you know bad commercial oh, mouths. Cool. I understand you didn't even notice the most impressive part of the VFX in Forrest Gump because you didn't even see oh, it. Damn the visual effect! Oh. I mean, the most impressive one is invisible. The audience gets it. Oh God, Travis! <laughs> <laughs> it's out for blood. Somehow, Jim Carrey was nominated for Razzie for worst new star. For this movie, wow! Whoever, whoever nominated that, what a, <laughs> did he win? He did not win. However, Son of the Mask won three Razzies. Yeah, uh, worst actor, worst chemistry, and worst sequel. Totally makes sense. I don't know how it could lose in any category. <laughs> it was nominated for eight. I would be curious to know what was worse that year. Before I jump off of visual effects, a couple cool things to note: practical effects. One. Uh, the scene where they're pulling the stuff out of his pants, the police practical mm-hmm. effect in which they were cut off at the bottom and prop department was handing nice. stuff up through the pants. Of course. Love it. And then the other practical effect thing that I was blown my mind that this was practical because it was the actual actor supposedly uh, when they hit the golf ball off of Dorian's mouth, when the, the his mob boss hits wow. the golf ball off his mouth, that was Peter Green holding the tee in his mouth for the shot, and it was a professional golfer taking the shot. Whoa. I mean, it looked real. So yeah, I'll give it to you. That's great. And it was his genuine reaction, you know, the audio. He deserves some credit. Yeah, that guy's a that. badass. Yeah. And, I'm, yeah. and I know he's listening. Oh, son of the mask. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll mention me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, does anybody else have any other things they want to say about the first one? 
before we move on. But I also had the movie tie-in comic book, mm-hmm. which contained the deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I was young. I didn't understand what that meant. So I didn't know what to do. Every time I watched the movie, I'm like, but where are these scenes? Yes. I have these same comics, so I know what you're going to say. You know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So there's the opening scene with the Vikings putting the mask in a box, mm-hmm. talking about Loki. Glad they cut it. I've seen it. It's dull. Mm-hmm. And then the other scene where Peggy, the reporter, after Dorian puts the mask on, he throws her into the printing press herself, yeah. and the front the front page printed in her blood yeah. is about her murder. And it's a picture of her face smashed, and it says, like, reporter yeah. dies. Damn. You know, yeah. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube, I think. Yeah. It's, it's on the DVDs it's, and all that. I will find it on YouTube. They... Yeah supposedly cut that scene specifically because they hoped to bring Peggy back in the sequel when they were... Did they? Yes. Travis, you're hilarious. Chemistry's (laughs) off today. today. Happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to express my genuine love for the entire film, Mm -hmm. for the soundtrack, for Mm -hmm. Cameron Diaz, for Richard Denny. Uh, You know what? I'm really glad you said that. Because he, both he and um, Peter Reigert and whoever plays Doyle, the uh, mm-hmm. cops, they so bring good. a lot of hilarity, but, but specifically Richard Jenny, more so than I ever really thought as a kid, this time works so well. He's so likable and he's a little yeah. bit, like he's really just Stanley with a little more confidence. It makes I, perfect sense that they're friends. Yes. Yes. And his voice is awesome. I'm kind of surprised that guy doesn't get, I don't see that guy more. I have some information on Richard Jenny because when I thought about the sequel, that was the first thing that came to my mind where I was like, I need to see more of Richard Jenny in the sequel. And then I just Googled Richard Jenny and found out that he is not around anymore. I don't know if you guys. Oh, that's sad. I I just looking, I went to his IMDb just to see what else he was in. And I just saw that he Uh, died at 49. Yeah. Oh, damn. In 2007, I believe, of suicide. Oh, no. Uh, shot himself. Oh, that's a yeah, wow. Very sad. He might have had, like, schizophrenia, I think. Um, oh. uh, some sort of mental disorder. Very sad, but hilarious. His stand-up specials are hilarious. If you haven't seen them, go watch them. Hmm. Um, and he just absolutely destroyed in the mask, and I and I wish that he was in more stuff, because I'm a big, big fan. He does, and he, he's the type of character in the mask who could wear on you in lesser hands, but he he's very likable in every scene. Even up next to Jim Carrey, he's still funny. Yeah, it's like somehow not over the top. You know what I mean? It, it very easily could be, but it's it's not. It just works. That's a tough line to walk. The original ending of the script, I guess, before they changed it, was him getting the mask. I mean, it, it already ends with him going after it. Yeah, and and Milo gets it first, but. Uh, I think it ends with him putting it on in the original script. Oh, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. But speaking of Milo, my goodness, what a dog. What a I dog. Mean, I, you know, Very and as a kid, of course, that worked, but I, I'm blown away by how talented that dog is. Mm-hmm. Was that Wishbone? Uh, no. It looked like Wishbone. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. No? Same, same exact make and model. He's so incredible, and specifically the character is so incredible of Milo, that it makes me a little bit mad now watching it mad at Stanley. Because I understand he's got other stuff going on, but I kept being like, does he walk this dog? You know, because yeah. like, he comes home, puts on the mask, goes out, wakes up the next Milo morning. You know what like I mean? the like, kind of dog yeah. that could walk himself. I was going to say the yeah. same thing. Milo takes care yeah. of Milo. That's true. That's fair. He wow. is that talented. Milo and, do him. 
Well, and, but when, I guess really the only point I'm really mad, he, first of all, he really lets him lick him, but he doesn't do a lot of petting, petting him. He just says, yeah. good boy, a lot. But also when he yells at him when the dog's jumping and he goes, put some effort into it. I'm like, dude, oh. come on. Yeah, for comedic effect. He loves Milo. Tina's in danger. The police wouldn't help. It's so good. Whenever like he's like Milo's climbing on the um the officer to get his keys. Mm -hmm. Like it's the keys and he starts to pull back and he stops when the guy stops and he like sort of looks at him like Yeah. And then he goes you can just you can see his little face and expression. It's so cute. He's a great dog. I don't know that there is a better dog character in cinema history. In terms of everything he's able to do, it's yep. pretty, it's it's tough. But I was um, the only other one I I could think of that maybe came close is the pup from the artist, who I think is the same. Oh movie. yeah, uh-huh. the good yeah, little that's pup. A good one. Paul. Yeah. Yes. Do you have any information on this? Is Cameron Diaz's first film? It is. It uh, is. And well done, her. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have any information on did she audition or were they just like you're clearly the most beautiful person in 1994 she was found at a modeling agency yeah and Anna Nicole Smith was the choice being floated by the studio before she was chosen sure the stu- once Cameron Diaz was cast by Chuck Russell the studio tried to cancel that didn't want her Whoa. because she's not an actress or whatever oh. and Chuck Russell said he would walk from the project without her. So he made wow, that happen cool. too. Yeah. Way to go, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Good on you, Chuck. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So son of the mask. <laughs> I, you guys, Travis and Lauren, I know, I know you're going to hit us with, with some controversy here. I can tell. Here's the mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. We put it on. We actually put it on first, anticipating such a disaster that we would need the mask for dessert. I saw this still <laughs> shot of Jamie Kennedy and his with his hair, and I was like, "This movie looks like garbage." So mm-hmm. we put it on. Opening shot. I'm already first of all impressed at the money spent. They spent yeah, money oh, yeah. on this yeah. movie. So I'm, I'm what's this impressed here? It's like this big crane move outside the museum. You know, there's like dark lighting and stuff. They do use the wide-angle lens a lot, which I'm a fan of because it's heightening. $100 million budget. Shows. Uh, None of that went to Jamie Kennedy. He did did it as a favor. $2.5 million. Good for him. Jamie Kennedy. Tremors Tremors five-star Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) Um, But I kept waiting for it to drop off. And I'm not trying to say that like it's a great movie, of course, but I kept mm-hmm. waiting for it to slide into the you know into the garbage bin as I expected it to, and that moment just never came. I have my complaints and stuff, but I got through it pretty well and had mostly positive things to say about it. Yeah, like I don't know, like you know the planets aligned just right. We were in the right mood, but mm. yeah, I I agree. I kept waiting for it to get reach that moment where you're just like, oh man. And the closest it got <laughs> was the scene where his child is peeing on him. No. Uh, no. Travis, that was hilarious. That's, that that that's, was a little, they went little for too it. much for me. They went for it. They went for piss. And not just like the little cute, look who's talking. Oh, stream of piss. They were like, you will watch Jamie Kennedy's son piss <laughs> gallons of bright yellow piss into his mouth. And you will watch that for like. 15 seconds. Yeah. The piss effects were impressive. I was disgusted. Thoroughly disgusted. It was so Most great. disgusting pee scene I've ever seen. You could mm-hmm. smell it, yeah. I feel. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I was 
so into um, Alan Cumming, Alan, Cumming. Alan Cumming as Loki, mm-hmm. and then Bob Hoskins showed up what? as Odin, and I was just it, like, this is pretty great. It I, took I like me until he came down from Olympus or whatever, on high. Asgard. Asgard. It <laughs> took me until he came down from Asgard to figure out that it was Bob Hoskins. The whole movie I was trying to place him. I was like, I know this voice. Who is it? And then and then as soon as he showed up, his stature is what did it. I was like, Bob Hoskins! You know, I um, recognized him right yeah. away. Maybe it's just because we yeah. we'd like literally just watched Hook and Roger Rabbit, but... Mm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it was just it was it was fun. This the is whole the, movie was fun. The weirdest thing mm-hmm. about this whole experience for me was one was I not only not irritated by Jamie Kennedy's mask persona, Oof. I actually really liked it and then this is shocking. Oof. I wanted from this movie more in the whole no, movie. I, but like, and I, the, I I didn't disagree with everything you guys said, but he is the worst thing in the movie by far. But I'm right. talking about the mask. No, 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 no. not regular. I, that, that, I, I, I think I agree with Paul here. If yeah. what you're saying is Paul is that the worst part of the movie is when Jamie Kennedy has the mask on, because that I it, that that to me is is, is that rock is that really worse than baby and dog shenanigans. Yes. Yes, because at yes. least for me, yeah. the baby dog shenanigans is like a random cartoon in the middle yeah. of the movie. It just seems yeah. like a random Looney Tunes cartoon. And, or and a cartoon done fine, written yeah, like yeah. a cartoon. Yeah, sure. You know? it's, it's, yeah. There's physical comedy and violence and you know all that kind of stuff, and it's like, fine. But when he puts on the mask and he has that voice, that makes no sense to me. And when he does the song uh, medley at the beginning, and all of that stuff is nonsense to me. It's just complete utter chaotic crap he is by no means jim carrey i am not measuring him against jim carrey in any way at all but i i thought his mask voice was hilarious Mm. and i I thought he was genuinely funny i forget what he did in the first scene but there was something (laughs) where i just i it made me giggle and maybe because there was so little of it was because that's why it didn't grate on us but yeah well (laughs) whatever folks your boat i feel like the most exciting thing in a mask movie should be the person putting on the mask. And I was, uh, once he didn't have it on and the dog had it for the rest of the movie, I was like, okay, good. Well, at least we won't get any more of that. And then when he put it on again, I was like, Oh, more of this. See, I didn't uh, like the dog in the mask because when, a lot of when Milo had the mask on, he was just like a dog with the mask on. But when, uh, mm-hmm. Otis, nice. Mm-hmm. Had the mask on. He was just like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. See, that's what I liked. To be honest, I it, that was actually one thing, and, and, and I don't think of it necessarily as a bad thing, but as a kid, I remember getting more joy out of Milo in the mask because once, you know, I would rather just have Milo. Milo in the mask doesn't bite anybody. I mean, he bites some guy's pants, but, like, he doesn't do anything spectacular as the mask other yeah. than the torpedo thing. And pees on a guy. Right. Which is a dog thing. That's not a... It's also a very, very small part, right? Right. In the first one. So it's like, this movie, why did the freaking dog have the mask for so long? It's ridiculous. And by the way, I'm not even trying to say like, oh, the dog in the mask is great. It's just compared to Jamie Kennedy (laughs) in the mask. It is fine. But I don't want that. I don't want either of them in the mask. My biggest gripe with the cartoon second act 
of the dog trying to kill the baby, which is like the full second act. It's way too long. And, and the baby bouncing around the house and stuff. And the baby just looked awful, awful. No, I, awful, 2005, awful. that was perfectly chronological. I mean, it doesn't it even, it but you compare it to how the mask effects look. It doesn't. Well, but the mask effects is like a wolf head or a skull. It's not like the entirety of the being for minutes at a time. I yeah, agree. They went in a, a little hard on the baby. It's a lot mm-hmm. of baby yeah. for mm-hmm. new baby technology. It just looks really scary. I I think they wanted it to look like cute and funny, mm-hmm. and it just for me ended up looking creepy, scary. I don't want to watch this. I am not necessarily suggesting people rush out and watch this movie and that it is much greater than it than it is. I mostly want to express the quiet surprise with which I enjoyed this movie. I will agree that it's better than I thought it would be. It has a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I've seen higher scores for what I would say are worse movies. I think for what it is, which is essentially a kid's movie, front to back, it is a kid's movie, yes. and even more so than The Mask, which appealed yes. to kids, of course. Ah, but sure. this was, you know, toys on toys on toys. And they, they give him the car, the cartoon car at the end and all that kind of stuff. This was, you know, for what it was. Yeah, I wasn't um, I didn't want to tear my eyes out necessarily. No, I've seen much worse movies. Let's mm-hmm. say that much. It wasn't like some train wreck. I mean, it was it fast paced. Uh, mm-hmm. And somewhat entertaining as far as unpredictability mm-hmm. and, you know, physical jokes and stuff like that. Like it had a bunch of stuff going on for it. But I think I just get a little testy or upset <laughs> when I know that upwards of $80 million were spent on something and this is the result. You yeah. know, it's like we're better than that, people. Let's come together and make something substantial. I mean, I don't know. Just Just the fact that Jamie Kennedy's character for me at least, didn't have any likable qualities to yeah, him. I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. why am I going to root for this guy? I, I want his wife to what divorce him. To him. From the I beginning. want his wife to divorce yeah. him. Like, yeah, at least with the first one, you know, like we were talking about, they tried. You know, yeah. they tried to make him like a likable dude. I yeah. do think it's, un- it's interesting. Like in the first movie, the consequences are things like, the mob might kill you. Right. Whereas <laughs> yeah. in, in this movie, it's like, Stephen Wright doesn't like your cartoon pitch. He- wait for two full years for that concept that Dude, you know it's laughable that, that that's Halloween the part that upsets me man plot yeah. wise it is la- if you actually just sit down and think about what's driving the plot in several ways it's a disaster well and because it's a loki baby i thought they might do something like oh it's an accelerated pregnancy but they sure. they go it's nine been months. nine months and then the next time you see the baby it looks like it's a year old so <laughs> nothing's changed in my job. I'm doing yeah. the same thing. I think this movie did exactly what the people who raised and contributed a hundred million dollars to. I yeah. think it did exactly what they wanted it to do. I think it. What, I, I agree. Lost eighty more. million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think that it. You know, they they did want it catered more to kids, uh-huh. and maybe a, I don't know. Maybe kids who watched that. You know, at the age we all watch The Mask, we're like, ooh, yay. Maybe, I maybe have not. literally never heard a single person of any age even admit to having watched this movie. It's true. In terms of how much I would think it might appeal to kids, I've never heard of it appealing to kids. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know that anybody saw this. No, um, no one saw it. Yeah. For sure. Because I will say, I think the main thing here is overcomplication. 
There's yeah. no reason to have all these moving parts with Loki with, and with his job and with the dog and just, yeah. you know, boil yeah. it down. Give us well, something to care about and then let's let's ride the ride. And in terms of trying to accept it for what it was, I, I just then I then I started getting hung up on stupid things like the rules because it's like, oh, OK, right. it's a sequel to the mask. Ben Stein's in it talking about Loki, blah, blah, blah. Then. But it, OK. OK. Geez. OK. So my biggest gripe with the dog versus the baby arc is that so much of it happens during the day and the mask doesn't work during the day. That's a, a key rule. Is that part of, uh, of the first yeah, he, one? He tries to, yeah, he tries use, to use it during the day. Maybe right. it works it on work. dogs during the day. Maybe. Okay, maybe. I'll, I'll give you that. That's a stretch. What else you got, Paul? They even have Jamie Kennedy wear the mask at the Halloween party, and then it falls off of him in the morning. By the way, how do you go to sleep wearing the mask? Let's just talk about that. <laughs> After a night of raucous lovemaking to your wife, apparently, right? Yeah. Doesn't notice. You know that, and not to be, not to sound like the whatever, but uh, as soon as that happened, where mask Jamie Kennedy goes to have sex with his wife, Lauren and I were both like, "I don't have a problem with this, but I'm noticing it. I don't know yeah, something sure. about it feels." Not I texted uh, Ethan about it right away because it okay. is something I kind of wondered about in the first one because he is going after Tina in the mask. Right. And in the first one, once again, I, I want to bring up that at least the working theory is that Loki is in the mask. So then what does that mean? About well, What it means is that he yeah. infects your sperm and then that makes a mask baby. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. That is apparently what it means. Yes. Paul, if you want to yeah. get into like obnoxious rule stuff. Let's do so it. The little, they, they have a scene where the baby watches part of... No, they show like a whole-ass cartoon. It's a whole cartoon. Oh, the so whole much of it. James so much cartoon. of it. And yeah. I get that that's like, so they can go, now the baby knows what a cartoon is, so it can go... Burr, burr, burr. But before he watches the cartoon, he's still doing cartoon shit. So like, Dude, what, yeah. pick a lane. Dude, he not only has seen a cartoon, bro, he's seen fucking The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah, apparently he's seen a western yeah. movie yeah he's he knows everything this baby yeah we yeah. talked about and, that yeah. too well, he's seen the exorcist <laughs> this is what pissed me off the most okay if we're going to talk about the rule this <laughs> i could not get over after it happened in the movie when loki goes to try to find the baby he becomes a bee which has teeth Stings mouth, that uh, doesn't talk does not, doesn't talk, we yeah. hear his thoughts. Was that like and, a studio note? Like later on, they were like, this is a boring scene. Alan, riff. Yeah. I, mean, I guess. It would make more sense just to not give him a mouth. You know what I mean? Like just get rid yep. of the mouth. Yeah. So he goes, Not still not what bothered me. Yeah. Goes, stings the lady, clones her. Okay. Yeah. She leaves. He goes into the computer. He has to use the computer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in the computer, he types in without typing. He goes, okay, let me check the birth records on July 27th, and I'll print those out. How does he know when the baby was born? That's How does he know that date? That's not even, first of all, yes, agreed. But that's not, I mean, I have that problem on top of what hospital is that with the birth records of all babies everywhere? <laughs> I mean, like, it's, they don't even make it clear where he's looking or in what dude, order he's even looking. if he knows that yeah. that for me is like somewhat solvable. It's like okay, he can he he knows what city it's in, let's say. Uh, how? Whatever. Isn't he in the city already? I don't know no, how he's there. Odin, I don't know because Odin just talks to him on a beach and is like, "Loki, you're not looking for the mask." Dude, <laughs> the date thing drives me crazy. Yeah. I just don't understand how you're going to just guess July 27th. Like you know if you know that 
then you know the baby. You know what his name is. You know where he lives. Right. It is right. because they could have they could have easily figured out a way that like they could have I don't know done something like he narrows it down to their block, so uh-huh. he's going door to door. Yeah, that would have been true. I, I I would have just bought if there was some sort of like sensor in the mask and he knows right. a around what it, power thing. Sure, yeah. dude. Although, like, he's already Loki. Uh, just a big problem with the Loki thing in general. If that's what's going on, first of all, they don't they don't address where he came from. You know what I mean? At the beginning, when Ben Stein's like, no, he's just he there. buried him underground. And he goes, no, he didn't. And then and then it's like, okay, so then what did happen? Because where were you the whole first movie? You know what I mean? Like, what? What is this? Why? Why is this happening at all? And by the way, why did he make the mask? If it's a dude, problem, he doesn't have the mask. Why did he make it? Where did he... That's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. What is the point of the mask? They don't even talk about that. Yeah. Why he does he have that? He makes his face green and muscular without the mask. Right. Exactly. Why would he need the mask, bro? Yeah. He's the guy with all the powers. He's Loki already. All right. So my only actor note on this is. That before Jamie Kennedy, Jack Black was offered the role and turned oh, yeah. it down. Smart, but I'm sure the movie wouldn't have. I would have seen the movie. That's yeah. the thing. If yeah. that had happened, right? I would have yes. gone and, and seen the movie. It would have made more money for sure, but yeah. I can't. It couldn't have been that much better. No, I mean, you know, as we said, the the what works about the mask is Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? It is a right. Yeah. Jim Carrey vehicle and the rest of it mm-hmm. could easily fall short in other hands. Um, well, listen, I don't want to be a yeah. schmucktard over here, but I have a pod in 16 minutes I got to do. All right. Well, let's hear your pitch and then we'll go on as needed. This will put the color back in your cheeks, my friend. Okay. As yeah. per typical uh, Ethan style, I don't have something thought out, but... Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, what came to mind right away is what I'm going to give you, okay? If there was a mass sequel, the first thing I thought of was the last scene of the mask, like you were talking about, Paul, where uh, Richard Jenny jumps and tries to get the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I personally want to see more of him, like I said. Mm-hmm. I love his character. So for me, obviously, you got to get Jim Carrey. That's a I feel like if not, the movie probably doesn't work, mm-hmm. but I would kind of have their roles reversed and I would have, I would want to know what Richard Jenny's life is about a little bit. What's his goal. And for me, he seems kind of like a, a suave guy that wants to be suaver. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in his head, maybe he wants to be like a Bobby Darren type or uh, you know, like a Frank Sinatra type of dude. Mm-hmm. So I would want it. Cause then we still get the like club sequences. Yeah. Right. right where he's like becoming a star with the mask. Um, and then of course, getting into some trouble probably with the mob because there's like Frank Sinatra mob ties in history. Um, so I figured, you know, he can, I don't know, either accidentally or like on purpose as the mask kill some mob dude and then have to like figure that all out. And then maybe for help for backup at some point when he's trapped, we get Jim Carrey back. Sure. And now he gets the mask, you know, either Milo brings it to him or whatever and saves the day. And then they like destroy it because I probably don't need another sequel. <laughs> and I think that's like the lesson that we should learn instead of, cause he throws it away at the end of the first one, which like, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of saying that lesson, which is like, you don't need this thing to be 
the uh, potential, you know, to reach your own potential, like it's in you the entire time, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I think to, you know, to really hammer it home on the second one, we should destroy that fucking thing. Mm. Yeah. The finality to it. I, I get like that. Yeah. So it's, it's the mask to frigging, uh, oh, I don't have a friend of the mask. It. Friend of, I mean, bad yeah. title, honestly. It is bad. Uh, well, yeah, okay. I'm right. trying, but some sort of like swinging in Vegas. Mask's some, best friend. The the mask takes the mob, or um, the the mask in Vegas, or like some, the mob in the first one. This isn't more mob, right? Right. You know. know. Well, anyway, that's that's pretty much where where I was headed with some sort of um, I don't know Ocean's Eleven vibe with okay. Richard Denny in a bigger role. He'd be, I think he'd, is really he'd be funny. a funny looking mask face. I think. Yep. It, it, I it think would, so too. It would work. Um, okay. So then let's real quick get your answer to these questions and then we'll move on to another pitch. Should this movie have a sequel? The Mask. Yes. I'm going to say yes because, again, I love the film. It's very superhero, but in a really unique, cool way. Mm-hmm. All these superhero movies have sequels and they're typically successful. <laughs> um, plus, it's a huge comedy. So, yes, I will say it should have a sequel, but obviously. Nothing like the actual zero percent. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no, just because I think the arc is pretty full, yeah. and I think going back to it undercuts it. And I think that picking at it anymore just raises more questions. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I was laughing because I like the idea that Paul, who loves the mask and loves love Jim Carrey, it costs him nothing Harry. to say I would love oh, to see. Oh, I'd a go. I'd go. It yeah. could be a great sequel, but he's just like, no, no, thank you. Don't attempt. I mean, I well, typically yeah. to defend Paul, I do think. I mean, we can all agree, right? When a movie is really good and they make a sequel, it's so rarely as good or better. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to leave whatever it was uh, as is. Mm-hmm. But but in this case, you know, just because of the for me at least like superhero like element of it, mm-hmm. I could see a yeah. franchise that is good. Like the there is something is, in there. It's still around. Yeah. They clearly, right. I feel like meant for there to be a sequel. Uh, yes. I like think it. there should yeah. be a sequel just cause I'm, I'm always willing to roll the dice and maybe get a Shrek two. <laughs> right, right. Right. I just often powers two also. Yeah. Like a big weird comedy and it works. And it's interesting cause I said yes. And you said no, Ethan to dumb and dumber two. Uh, right. Yes. I, but dumb and dumber. Yeah. Well, the reason I feel that way about dumb and dumber is, has nothing to do with like superhero action movies. Like right. it doesn't have that franchise uh, capability in my opinion. It's mm-hmm. just this like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the perfect actors, the perfect scripts, the perfect improvs, mm-hmm. the perfect everything was just encapsulated in that movie. And for me, it's like, that's a clear, just gold standard of don't touch it. Just okay. let that fucking shit be because it's perfect. Other questions, sequel or prequel. What's the sweet spot if you're going to do it? So I guess, I, I would, I guess I mean, sequel because you can't have Jim Carrey otherwise. Right. I don't. We don't need those characters for a sequel. You just need the mask. So it can be right. prequel right. or sequel. Right. Put someone you else. You can Star it. Wars it. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of fun to be had in history with the mask. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Funny, like World War II era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Where the zoot suits and stuff would be a little bit more, you know, appropriate. Okay. So I guess... Yeah, I don't know how we're going to get your vote, Ethan. You get one vote, and you can't vote for your own. Uh, but let's I guess let's try to get these pitches out and see what happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, go. Mine's really fast. I'll go first. This is like the, mm-hmm. my first pitch I've not written down. I don't know where I'm going to go, but 
but I'll let you know as soon as I can. My my idea is a sequel, a prequel. Um, I really again liked Alan Cummings as Loki, mm-hmm. so I was picturing him in like the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirty thirties, like Prohibition era. Um, he really digs the party scene. Like he's like, oh, these people are crazy. Like I'm gonna hang out here for a while, he's just having fun partying. Maybe like at a party, he like makes himself look like a cartoon character, and a young um, cartoonist is like, huh, I'm gonna like take this idea back to here, and that's how you get, like, the style of... I want to draw that. Yeah. Oh. Like the cool. early Mickey Mouse, Looney Tunes style thing. I, yeah, I do like that. Yeah. He was yeah, there Max before Fletcher. the inspiration was there. That's right, great. Right, right. Yeah. So he, like, inspires it. So I just I just thought it'd be fun to see him having a good time. If he has the mask, someone steals it from him and hides it. If he doesn't, he's there because he's, like, trying to... He's looking through time to find his lost part of himself or treasure or whatever the mask is to him. Yeah. I would say just put him in through all kinds of eras yeah. and maybe mm-hmm. make the story about the creation of the mask. That'd be know, cool. Mask origins type yeah. of thing. That makes sense. It's definitely taking the best part of son of the mask, which is yeah. Loki for sure. And a compliment I will give to son of the mask that I kept saying to you, Ethan, and I, I, it seemed to charm me a little bit more than you throughout was the cartoon bits. There were there were there were what I found to be very funny cartoon bits that just got me left and right. Yeah, like I the, was just mad at the movie. Yeah, so I was I was it was hard for me to give it an inch, but uh, but I agree those are the best parts of the movie. Yeah, like and they would work well in a cartoon. Also, the yeah. writer of the movie never written another movie, but mm-hmm. was a writer on Cat Dog and oh, Ariel Mon. I like Cat Dog. Oh, oh yeah, so great cartoon background. Yeah. Okay, that's a good pitch. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Travis, you want to go next? Uh, yeah, Ethan, do you have time? I don't want to. I'm I'm not great on time, but, but <laughs> you know, I don't want to keep you. Is all. I guess I just mean I don't want to rush. Um, so. Oh yeah, sorry. No worries. I'm gonna rush. Hit it. Uh, it's gonna be like ET. Uh, so it's gonna be a group of young, diverse children living in Edge City. You know, like within within the uh, the city part. Um, and they are all a, like in a little after school club um, and they are artists. I haven't quite landed on what either like dance or music, something that would really lend itself to zaniness later mm-hmm. on. Um, and they want to win this talent show by Ethan. Um, anyway, just keep, well, I'm no, just right. keep for him. Yeah. He's not coming back. Okay, okay. Yeah. great. Then I can relax. Uh, so these kids are going to kind of be scattered to the winds. Their folks keep telling them like they need to focus on not their art and on their futures and stuff like that. And they kind of have the sense that they're not going to get to like be part of their cool art club anymore. Mm-hmm. But there is, of course, a school talent show coming up. And they think that if they can win the talent show with their like communal art project or whatever, then maybe their, their parents will see that they're serious about this and that that is their future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then they find the mask wherever, I don't know, an alley or something, the river. So it's like, they're going to, they're all, basically they're all going to take turns using the mask. It's like their secret. They found this mask and they're going to use it for the talent show. Cause they're like, Oh, and we can dance better or our music's, you know, whatever it's the mask. They do crazy. Right. Stuff. They'll definitely win. Um, but of course they start using it amongst themselves for their own precocious, you know, needs. Like I'm going to impress this, this guy I have a crush on. I'm going to put the mask on and go do whatever. Or okay. I'm going to go win the big game over here. I'm going to put the mask on. Drawing the attention of the U.S. government, which is oh. aware of them, um, And okay. they want it for its potential military powers, you know, as a weaponized mask. 
Okay, got it. So they don't know where it is or who has it, but because these kids keep using it in public, they're like like the government and ET kind of zeroing in on them. Okay. I mean, getting ever closer, which, you know, the kids become aware of and stop using the mask. Then on the night of the talent show, they're in a bit of a pickle. But if they don't use it, maybe they don't win. And this is what Ethan was talking about before. The theme of this movie is you're good enough. You don't need the mask. So they Hmm. don't use the mask. They're going up there. They're killing it in the talent show, just being themselves. But they notice, like, in the auditorium or whatever, there are government agents coming in and, like, standing by the exits. So they realize, use the mask or don't. You're not leaving the building until the government gets the mask. Uh, And then we're going to get a cool... Uh, distracting scene where the parents take the mask and they each take turns wearing it, causing a chaotic cacophony of mask antics in the auditorium, in the school, you know, getting all the agents involved and stuff while the kids make their escape. And they're like throwing the mask to each other, kind of playing keep away. Oh, nice. I like that. So the, as far as like fun mask bits, I wanted to put this mask in the, in the hands of these young kids because rather than see them do Looney Tune stuff, I was I was thinking they could do like anime stuff. Like there's other kinds sure, of live out their own dreams, live they out their own, each of yeah. their own personalities, what they like. Exactly. <laughs> um, we're gonna get to see a little bit other kinds of art, and then when the parents have it, that's when we'll get to see the kind of cartoony style more from our generation. Maybe some Nickelodeon stuff. Uh, oh, the the after the credits, I thought that it would be after everyone learns their lesson and the government guy's boss helicopters in and he's like, all right, well, what's, what's the deal with this operation, operation mask. And he's like, well, these kids have the mask. They have this mask and it make gives you magic powers. And I, but I can't find it because their parents are, won't let me have it, you know, but I've got this tape of the talent show. And then the, the FBI or whatever guy is like, what are you stupid? This is a kid's talent show because they have green paint on their faces. This mm-hmm. is what you're wasting our time and resources with. You're out of here, Johnson, probably. Uh, and, and then the kids are all like tittering and, and then they have the conversation about how they're good enough and they don't need the mask and it's dangerous. Nice. That's a blast. Thank you. And a very different direction to take it than you might I think. Couldn't, I couldn't think of a fun title though. Uh, so it's just called the mask two. Sure. All right. You're always the one who takes that. <laughs> the two, the just two, but Okay. Before I get to my pitch, I want to say a couple things just to, so to, to tread back over old ground before yeah, yeah. we had to rush into stuff. One, I don't hate Jamie Kennedy in general. I do found, find that he pretty quickly went from an actor that I liked in Scream, you know, who I like to see in kind of a normal person type of part. He jumped from that into, I have a sketch comedy show where I do characters all the time. And I never really got behind him doing characters. I don't think that's his thing, but he thinks it is. uh, Yeah, because I, yeah, you don't have to explain because I absolutely know why people don't want to watch Jamie Kennedy. I also, I like Jamie Kennedy in like the two and a half things that I think he's really good in. But I agree at some point, someone told Jamie Kennedy, do blah, 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 and we'll love you for it. And then, despite all evidence, was like, yeah, okay, I'll do Malibu's Most Wanted. I'm, I'm yeah. down to root for him, because it's not like I want bad things for him. And so I was ready to give him a shot here. I I don't know, I got the impression... I, I know he was at least trying something with his mask persona. There, it, it Having to be compared to Jim Carrey didn't help, certainly. But in his human persona, I really felt like he, he just seemed like he didn't enjoy not, making the, the yeah. He doesn't have... 
um, enough heart. You someone with the heart to play yeah. the normal person. Now I'm going to go over other sequels. So... Ah, the Mask, the animated series. That was wonderful. Uh, which starred Rob Paulson, oh. the great Rob Paulson, as the voice of Stanley Ipkiss slash The Mask. The major alteration in that show is that he can use the mask in the daytime, and it follows the events of the film to the point that Stanley's friend and co-worker Charlie thinks that Stanley threw the mask away, but Stanley discovers that his dog retrieved it. Tina's not in it at all. Boo. But reporter Peggy Brandt is the main female character in the series. Stanley is upset with her for selling him out to the mob. So that carries over. But neither Nico or Dorian Tyrell are ever mentioned or part of it. I mean, I guess they both die in the movie. So, you know, so some stuff carries over, but some tough stuff doesn't. And then the other sequel thing worth mentioning, something we've gone over before, after the success of the original, a sequel was planned, with magazine Nintendo Power going so far as to offer readers a chance via the, a sweepstakes to win a cameo role in the film, and it, it was won. But Jim Carrey dropped out, not wanting to do sequels after Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, so Nintendo Power had to give the winner the equivalent cash value that he would have gotten for performing the role can't put a price on fame. Okay. However, they did. Here it was. Years later, the winner was revealed to be a, a guy named Nathan Ryan Runk from Arbutus, Maryland. Oh, I know Nathan. <laughs> who was 12 at the time, who could have either held out for the sequel to happen, so he w- could have been in Son of the Mask had he waited long enough, oh, or taken the $5,000, a film crew jacket, and several Super Nintendo games. Oh, I think Nathan made the He later claimed it was absolutely the right call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the Never Made Did sequel you... would have had Dorian returning to perpetuate new villainy and the mask being worn by a woman, as happened in the Source oh. comics. Because Stanley Ipkiss' wife murders him in the comics <gasps> and takes Good the Lord. mask. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's very fucked up. Okay, so my pitch. If I tell you, you promise to leave my office right now. Mine is a modern sequel. Mm. Stanley and Tina drop their son, Milo II, mm. off at college. Uh, in their apartment somewhere is a picture of them younger with Milo. You know, it's there's going to be some Milo tributes in there. And the son is played by Joe Keery of Stranger Things. Steve from Stranger Things. Oh, okay. So he's their son. Uh, It is super apparent that they are an extremely close family. The parents return home, missing their son probably too much. They still love each other, but the flame of their passion appears to be burning low these days. We also find that Tina is having a midlife crisis of sorts, feeling old and unattractive and like she doesn't know who she is if she's not a mother. Maybe there's some scene where she's out on her own and she thinks someone's attracted to her and then it turns out it's some younger person. She feels embarrassed, you know, that, that kind of thing. She's past her Coco Bongo days by quite quite a while. Hmm. Enter <laughs> Sal Lubbins, Stanley's long-lost dirtbag father, Ooh. played by Billy Crystal. Oh! Who more or less abandoned him as a young boy to live a life of grifting, get-rich-quick schemes, and occasional jail time. So the sort of anti-influence of the father is what made Stanley a banker, basically, and a nervous, nebbish, responsible type. 
did appear occasionally in his life, but was never like a staple. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, he looked up to him as a kid, but sort of growing up now resents him. So he shows up hoping to have a better relationship with his son, but Stanley isn't interested. Tina encourages their bonding, however, seeing flashes of how much it helps Stanley to loosen up and de-stress, which has been a big problem for him lately. Over some time, the men start to build an uneasy bond again. One day, after the two of them have a fight, Sal is left alone in Stanley and Tina's home, where he feels a mysterious pull toward their safe. Adept at cracking such things in his life of crime, Sal opens it, and finds the mask. This leads Sal to hightailing it to Grub City, a Vegas equivalent, (laughs) which, while just as a quick pause, found it kind of funny in Son of the Mask that while there's Edge City and Fringe City, there's also New York City. (laughs) 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 But I digress. Um, I love Grub City, by the way. Okay. Where Sal, with the mask, paints the town up and down, you know, goes crazy, and naturally runs afoul of the mob boss currently in power there. I was going to go De Niro because of their analyze this tie, but I went Pesci. Okay. I went Pesci. What follows is a rescue mission leading Stanley and Tina to Grub City after the dad, which eventually involves Tina wearing the mask at one point, which turns her into a Jessica Rabbit type that she uses as a distraction, among other things. Like, she gets several things done. She's got it on for a while. But also reignites things with her and Stanley. Uh, You know, the passion burns once more. The mask changes hands several times, ends up in the villain's hands at some point, blah, blah, blah. But in the third act, is finally reunited with Stanley, who saves the day and delights us all. I mean, with Tina's help. Of course, you know, they work together, but you're waiting for Jim and you yeah. get Jim in the end. Once all is right, Sal reveals that he's dying, which is what prompted him to reach out to Stanley. Uh, but also, you know, he thanks to he's, he's accepted it. He wants to just make sure they have a relationship for the rest of his days. And he thanks him for the time of his life that he's had with the mask these past few days. Throughout the movie, there's a subplot of Milo the second. Because they're all very close. He keeps calling and checking in with his parents, but they're super distracted with all the wackiness. And so every time he calls, it sounds crazier and crazier, the circumstances they're in. And it's making him jealous as if, like, they don't miss him at all and they've just been waiting for him to leave to sort of start doing this stuff. So when they return home, they find him waiting there, waiting to confront them. And then they like embrace him and they're just so happy to see him and, and all that stuff. And then they're like, sorry, you know, we, we just had to go help your grandpa. And he's like, I have a grandpa. And then, you know, they all meet. And then uh, in the end, just as a little button, the It Kiss family donates the mask to a children's hospital uh, where they warn them to use it with caution, but also for great fun. Hmm. Um, that seems tricky. Irresponsible. <laughs> well, I think that the caution letter would be pretty detailed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that we'd leave it uh, mysterious what it's going to be used for, but just sort of, you know, let the kids live out their dreams. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I like that idea. That's really nice. But yeah, you have to be like, you have to have like someone in charge of distributing the mask. There's. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It would need to be, and not in some sketchy nurse's hands or anything. It would need to be. Made a, maybe there's an arc throughout that you know who this kind person is that they give it to at the end. Type yeah. Of 
Yeah. Oh, that'd be neat if there was like a character who kept popping up that you didn't know what their deal was, but you trusted them. Anyways, I I, there, I don't think it's easy to come up with a good title for this. Son of the Mask is really one of the, is a better title than any of these titles yeah. have been. But uh, I call that the Mask Legacy. I mean, I don't know. That's that's so, interesting because yeah, because you went the other way with it. Yeah, fatherhood and I, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, um, I, I could have had more more for Tina to do. I know. I mean, I get it. I like paying tribute to who she was in the first one without making that all, everything that she is. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to do some other stuff, but you know, it also sort of complements. Stanley's mask persona being the Tex Avery wolf, mm-hmm. her mask persona being the Tex Avery female. Or red. Right. Which I like because I feel like her introduction in the first one, she's supposed to um, exude Jessica Rabbit. You know, she's yeah. got that red dress. So yeah. that's cool. I like that. Um, when I don't, and I don't think that she would be like, you know, lo- I think it would help her to feel attractive or whatever, but I, don't, I think that she would also be using it to like, beat guys up or whatever. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I just, I wouldn't want to see her, you know, like, Elizabeth shooed, like, Back to the Future 2 style, you know? No, well, I mean, the she's... Cam- scene and then you're... I mean, she's Cameron Diaz. She's gonna be all over this. She's part of the okay. rescue mission. She's heavy in the beginning. She's heavy. She's heavy. Uh, you do want to see her in the mask, though. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I want to see her all the time. Okay, well, right. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to give these in, like, one line pitches <laughs> to Ethan to see if I get his vote. <laughs> okay. Okay. So okay. votes, votes, totes, goats. What was Ethan's? Was Richard Jenny? Richard Jenny. His he he gets the mask, and then he's like kind of the Bobby Darren kind of. Then we got mask prohibition via Lauren. Like it, like it. Then we got the mask two with the kids. Travis. And then we got the mask legacy. Yeah. And you oh, vote for right. one. Can't vote for your own. Yeah. I'm going to vote for uh, yours, Paul. Mask Legacy. <laughs> this means so much because you never vote for mine. <laughs> uh, you know what? A lot of times I don't vote for yours because I I feel like I have to vote for the guests. Sometimes I don't want to. Um... And a lot of your pitches are really garbage. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> so say, like, I, I thought you were going to say, I, I often don't vote for you because I can't stand you. <laughs> I was going to do a mean joke, but then I thought that was too mean. But yeah. then halfway through my real answer, I thought, like, it'd be pretty funny, though. <laughs> God. <it. laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I'm a different person on mic. Off mic, I'm worse. Well, Paul, you, you vote you vote before me. I'll All go right. last. All right. All right. All right. All right. My vote goes to Travis. <sighs> it's nice to say that. And it feels nice to hear it. The trailer would really have to grab me and the cast. Well, yeah. If I knew it was coming in real life before I knew ca- I would like it. But the cast is harder because they're kids. And I don't right. know a bunch of kid actors. So but I did have like for the parents, I sort of had like Randall Park and Regina Hall were the two that I thought of because I'm like, they're funny and they're very heartwarming. Oh, so it's me now. Still, yeah. So is it because all of the options are so juicy to you? Yes, or? it literally oh, okay. is. Okay. Like I, I'm, I'm really on. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really stuck between you and Paul's pitch. I know he brought Billy to the table. That's yeah. I could so easily see him in that mask makeup. Oh, yeah, man. he does characters and stuff. It's yeah. hard to beat. 
Okay. But vote for mine. Well, well, by a very thin margin, I am going to vote for Travis. All right. Sorry, fellas. We're going to turn up hot now. Well, this is a win for Travis of the season. A rare victory. And it tastes as sweet as I thought it would, (laughs) as I knew it would. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Now the skies are sunny. This is like to take this opportunity to announce my retirement from this podcast. All competitions of any kind. Uh, Well, this was great. Now let's get into Unsung Heroes. Hit it, Paul Jr. Unsung Heroes! I have one for the first one. Okay, Uh, go ahead. I really... I'm always so um, struck by the one thug's face who uh, he hands a poodle. Uh And it like... It it lands like, sorry, the poodle's got it. How do you get put down? And his yeah. face is so sad. Like yeah. every time I'm like, oh, he looks genuinely sad. That poodle like disintegrated. I, they are definitely on my list. Those goons in general, because there's also that wonderful moment where he hands it to the first guy, and then he goes, "Wow!" and tries to take it and he yanks it away. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I have a whole category of unsung heroes sort of like that basically people that are fulfilling a different role before they're taken up by the magic of the mask so that's one because they're ready to hurt him mm-hmm. and then they're immediately transfixed by the magic of his balloon animal character love that love all of them also the drummer who he spins oh, around wow. and then he looks at his suit real quick and then starts drumming just struck me as so funny when these guys in suits got different colored suits and all of them went whoa like it was <laughs> yeah. a <Pringles> commercial <laughs> They got a singer, too. They didn't seem to have a singer before, and then yeah. that guy hopped in. It's great. Um, and then in that same category of transfixed heroes, I have the three dancing cops. They're going in, in Cuban Pete. They're, yeah. It's very nice. So full of spice, and they're holding yeah. the guns. I noticed before, I think the first time on this viewing, in that scene, in the wide shot when all the cops are dancing, is there's like a SWAT guy. You can just barely see his feet kind of swinging back and forth on a rope in the background. Way too many cops. I'm sorry. There's multiple people rappelling down buildings in that initial shot. And then, for the first time, I have an unsung villain. Slap it, Paul Jr. Unsung villain. Scout. From the very, very beginning of the film... The scuba diver is below. The guy on the radio says, we got another one coming down, which I guess means giant pipe (laughs) is about to fall into the water. And then the guy says, hang on a second. And then what happens to that guy on the radio? He lets his friend die. He doesn't hang on a second. He doesn't tell anyone shit. He never even checks on him. He never says, oh, get out of there. Where, what, oh, John. You know, no, nothing I, more comes I, I think in Lauren's movie, the end credit scene would be that scene from The Mask, but we reveal the radio guy is Loki. Oh. And so he doesn't. Warn. I'm changing my vote to Lauren's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three-way tie. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, this was, uh, this was a fun one, guys. Even though Ethan and I came down on it pretty hard, I did, like I said, enjoy it more than I expected to yeah surprising 
I would give it more than a 6%. I think it works throughout as a movie about cartoons in the real world. Like if you watch the first mask and as a kid or whatever, and you love it, and then you grow up and you want to show your kids, but you rewatch it and you decide it's not appropriate for your kids Mm -hmm. because you you grew up into a lame person, then you could probably show them some of the mask. Like, Oh, I like this mask. Here's the crappy version for you. See, I think what I would say not meaner than I meant (laughs) about, like, I do agree that it works as a cartoon in real life movie, but more than it works as a mask movie. Yeah. I know that the mask is in it, but I don't, if you didn't see the first one, I don't know that you'd totally get it. Like what the mask is. Yeah. That. It's kind of a mess as far as that is concerned, because it's not really helping them do things that help with their personal problems. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that you totally get the essence of the mask from it. I agree. That would be okay. Weird. Guys, we can throw this out because it, he left and it's via text, but Ethan voted for mine. Well, what so does that mean? It's, it's a tie. What do we do? So there's the proof. Damn, okay. that's the winner for me. Love that. Well, what did you say uh, about mine? Well, here, I'll, <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show you your breakdown and you can tell me if I got it wrong. Well, I'm not sure you got it right. I just did. Did you sell it? <laughs> I said a group of kids find the mask. It's like they're E.T., the government wants it from them. They want to use it for a talent show. See, that's... What? <laughs> Nothing. Continue. That is correct. It is correct, but it's... <laughs> oh, it's... There's no zazz to it. That sounds so Hallmark. Mm-hmm. Of course he voted for yours. I think Jim Carrey would have gotten it for him either way. Did you say about the anime? I said we can throw it out. You know what I, I mean? We've already recorded you as the winner. You've never... You need a win. I don't and, need... And you. you deserve a win. Anyway. Okay. Except okay. maybe some ice cream. Mm, well, wait, what do we do in, in ties? I didn't, I didn't think of a tiebreaker for this one. Oh, um, okay. okay. You know why you win? Because you had two different versions of a mask costume as a kid. And uh-huh. I only had one. Are those pictures going to go up on um, the, the old inst- the gram? Yeah, that sounds fun right. to me. I also, I have a lot. Oh, uh, I have a kind of a well it's a story um for the talent show in, in elementary school the year after the mask came out i got a bunch of kids and older kids and and even uh, staff to be the cops and i did cuban pete for the talent show oh my God. um the you know maracas That's and all that amazing. stuff that so cute. do you have a video do you have that i don't have a video of that but i have pictures Okay. okay. I'll get you those eventually. But I do have a video of the year before that when I did an original Ace Ventura sketch, which also had elementary school staff and other kids in it where I played Ace. That's not amazing. Maybe I'll save this for when we do Ace Ventura Pet Detective Jr. Uh, Or not. Oh, geez. Wow. I didn't expect such. I remember your description of it. It sounds so ghastly. Yeah, but I, for one, had to see it, even though yeah. I knew it would be bad. So, no, I mean, whatever, I'll watch it. I'll watch garbage, I don't care. Well, I have a, I have a yeah. new plug. Oh, yes, of course! Shit! I always forget, I don't always, but I often plug now. Um, any plugs? <laughs> yeah.
officially have a website. It is lolascustomfunkos.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at lolascustomfunkos. I've been on it. It's it's an easily navigatable website. Yay. And for you, Travisimo? Um, uh, you can still listen to Theater of Tomorrow and The Hotel, my other podcasts. Um, both Lauren and Paul have been involved in them, and I'm sure you've listened to them by now and love them. Uh, also, go to the Instagram, and Paul's going to put our mask childhood Halloween costumes up. Um, please comment on whose is better. Yeah, that sounds great. And also, just as a reminder, that that reminded me, go to the Instagram in general and look at all the stuff we have on there. And uh, like and subscribe. uh, Review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can leave a review. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, we would just love... We just love you. We just love you. They've long tuned out. I think the last 20 minutes of this podcast is on this. Next follow-up showdown. A throw-down-the-gauntlet episode. The movie we're talking about today is 2009's Avatar. Our guest is a returning all-star of the show, Mario Kali Moon. I am going to say I hope James Cameron does better than all of us. Oh, God, yeah. Skit-skat-boop-bat-jut-jut-jut. Yeah.